Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Yeah, welcome to Stories Are Soul Food, episode L1. I'm Andy Wilson. And I'm Brian Cole. And that's Jerry Cinnamon. Jerry Cinnamon, huh? Yep. That's actually got a good vibe there. Off the album Erratic Cinematic. One of my current favorites. Yeah, what do you listen to when you, uh... This. Jerry Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, you know, I'm gonna tell a story. Stories are soul food. Can we start with a story? Yeah, this is the place for it. So I was... I was touring Scotland, as one does. And uh, the, the sheer fascism of diesel exhaust fluid, uh, the government mandates, the control of production of diesel engines in North America had not yet kicked into my psyche. And so I rented a, a van, a people mover. And when I was buying the insurance policy, thank goodness, uh, I told the guy in, in Glasgow that I wanted to be able to drive this van into the ocean and walk away and not owe him any money. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so give me that insurance policy because I'm driving a large vehicle all over these. On the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah. On so tiny I want, roads. I want the insurance policy where literally anything can happen to this vehicle and it can be entirely my fault <laughs> and <laughs> I can be to blame, you know, and so he sold me that policy. When we reached the Isle of Mole, and I drove, as I drove out of the lot, I see this little thing in the dash that says AdBlue. And I was like, AdBlue? What on earth is AdBlue? I, I don't know what AdBlue is. Little did I know that there was a, a rule that you have to literally add blue to your, your diesel engine. <laughs> and so there's this AdBlue that you have to stick in this little special tank and he didn't know and it wasn't full and there's no briefing and that if you don't do it after a certain number of miles it cuts your engine off and you're not allowed to drive it anymore now this is in the in north america this is diesel exhaust fluid and basically to overly simplify the situation it's urea it's urine harvested from pigs wow often so it's urine I a lot of a lot of it is and what it does is it, it takes this diesel exhaust fluid or add blue and it prevents your diesel from putting any black exhaust into the air, instead spilling a white powder out the exhaust onto the road. Okay, that's pretty cool. Except for it's not <laughs> because now there's different places. You can already see the white drifts of diesel exhaust oh, no. on the highway. Oh, so, yeah, okay. So now you have diesel sand. Instead, it would just be up in the sky. It would fly away and get eaten by trees and make a forest. But instead, it's, turn, it's turned into diesel sand dunes. You can see it on 95, actually, just south of town. There's, there's a... Uh, Pig urious, no drift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, to oversimplify the science. <laughs> but, That's what we're all about. But I'm science trying to, is magic. But I'm, but I'm trying to stick with a pejorative feel for this whole thing. So anyway, I see this little light says add blue. I don't know what it means. I pay no mind. I don't know that the European Union is preparing to turn off my engine. And it doesn't happen until I'm on the Isle of Mole in the, the little town of Tobermory, which is a beautiful little town. And 
little sea town, beautiful little harbor, very picturesque. Are there whiskeys associated with Tobermory? There is Tobermory. Okay, that's what yeah. I, okay, I was going to say. That sounds <laughs> yeah. familiar. So, and and it's it was defunct, and they're bringing it back, and so it's mostly gin right now. While they try to get it going again, but there are some. There are some. So anyway, I'm there. The van won't start. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I eventually figure out what it is. I'm I'm visiting the Google. I'm calling people, and I find out that not only is my van not broken down, it's turned off on purpose by the European Union. Wow, fascism! I am sitting here stuck with my children as the sun goes down on a weekend in a tiny town on the Isle of Mole, where there's nowhere for us to uh, lay add, our lay our heads. Okay, or add we, blue. Yeah, or add blue. All right, nowhere because. Here we are, and it's a weekend, and because poor saps that we were, I didn't know what AdBlue was, and I didn't know there was this threat of violence. <laughs> you know, we're serious. Yeah, no, we're serious. You must add blue, or we're turning your car off, and you may not drive anywhere. So we're sitting in Tobermory, and I leave the kids with the van as the sun is setting, the twilight is coming, and it's all very ominous. And I walk to the only place. Everything's closed. Everything is closed. No humans in sight. And I walk and until I find a bar, a pub, and it's actually more of a bar. There's a bit of a uh, salty place. And I, and I walk into a bar with my son, my young son, Seamus, named appropriately for the occasion. And there's a very large man behind the bar with many piercings and some salty locals and some words my son has never heard are flying about the air. Thankfully, they're in a Scottish yeah, accent. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> so thankfully. can't understand. <laughs> yep. And so I get to the bar and I ask the guy, do you know anybody anywhere that I could rouse successfully who could have some ad blue? And I'm, at this point, I'm actually seriously considering, I've done enough Googling. I know that I could add ocean water and that would trigger the actual level and I could drive. And that would ruin the engine. But remember that insurance policy I bought. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> yeah. I bought that insurance policy that says I may ruin this vehicle on purpose and it's and I don't owe you anything. I could pee in it. That was an option. That was a live option. Mm. Just didn't think I had enough fluid to get it up above the level. Require a lot of drinking. But before. the reason why I'm telling you the story, the reason why we're <laughs> the reason why we're beginning episode L one with this tale of Tobermory, is because as I'm standing in the bar, this such is the such is the globalization of culture. I'm standing there in this extremely divey pub, which I'm enjoying, by the way, and I would have loved to spend an evening in this place. It was, it was great. It was authentic. It was non-touristy. This was a place where the fishermen were, not where the, uh, not where the tourists who were in the Airbnbs were. And one of them was like, yeah, I can drag out, you know, Roger, whatever his name is, but he's drunk and he's off at another party, but we can rouse him, you know. So they're, they're talking about who can get a hold of the one dude who's got a key to the one garage that has an ad blue in it. <laughs> and so while we're having this discussion, this song comes on by Jerry Cinnamon. Wait, that song that you no, just played? Oh, this song that I'm now playing. This song. And I'm staying in the bar with my son. And, you know, when the lyrics actually start, Various locals start to sing with it. So this is a favorite. Yeah. She is a built up, definitely from the last. Diamonds on her finger, and she always looks so big. 
<laughs> so this is now a favorite in our house. She is a belter. The yeah. song is belter. She's a belter. A belter. Belter. And I'm. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm standing here in this dive pub with my son, trying to sort out who's who's got access to the drunk man with the key to the garage that has an ad blue in it that's you mm-hmm. know thirty percent pig urine that I can pour into my van. <laughs> And, and I pull my phone out and Shazam that song because I'm thinking I need this. And I, it, you know, via the, the wonders of Shazam, I discovered that it is Belter by this gent named Jerry Cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And I move on to buy the entire album and the kids all love Jerry Cinnamon. And that is the long winded tale. I like it. That sounds of like breaking down in Tobermory and how I came to like Jerry Cinnamon. And how now everyone listening gets to enjoy Jerry Cinnamon instead of Phonarnia at the beginning of our, <laughs> our story. Yeah, welcome to episode, episode L1. Uh, yeah, the chord sounded just about right for learning at home. My kids and I sing sea shanties, so we'll have to yeah. add some Jerry Cinnamon to that. <laughs> yeah, to, there's, to the mix. there's, you know, you might want to check some lyrics every now and then. There's some salty ones. I, or, I always edit them. But again, yeah, <laughs> but again, it's in a Scottish accent, so. Right. Some of it's hidden. And sometimes they're just, they're only bad in Scotland. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, they're not that, that belter especially is fun. Lullaby is fun. There's a, there's a lot of great songs on there. So you use it for writing fuel or is this siding the house fuel? Uh, it's been a lot of things. Driving, siding, writing. Yeah. Jerry Cinnamon is, is uh, belters was around since that trip. And then I've more recently completed the album and enjoyed the whole album. Yeah. And anyway, all that to say is, it felt like the right tone for this podcast. And then I felt like, oh, you need the backstory because it involved ad blue fascism and breaking down on the Isle of Mole and Tobermory and the beauty of Shazam. And the problem is we only have one of those things today and it's not ad blue or breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fascism. <laughs> fascism. But hey, even in the most fascist moments, you still have Shazam. And Jerry Cinnamon. And Jerry Cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about today other than Tobermory? Well, if you get a chance to visit, that do. Was, yeah, that was a delightfully real story. And <laughs> I wanted to talk about kind of the opposite of that. Okay, Face- perfect. And as, a, and as a little, at, can we footnote and say, when you get a chance, always buy the insurance policy, that means you can drive it into the ocean and walk away. See, that's the one where I always skip those. And now I'm knowing. Yeah. When in Scotland. When yes. in Scotland. <laughs> and, and just so you know, there were other incidents that meant that I, I absolutely got my money's worth out of that. But Did you destroy on. the van? No, but I had to pull U-turns in really tight country lanes that involved plowing sod with the front and rear fenders. And, <laughs> you know, there may or may not have been a sheep or two. <laughs> <laughs> bump, bump, bump. <laughs> Fluffy bumping as the no, car. <laughs> not, not really. That was a joke. That was a hilarious joke. Okay, Brian. Yeah. Back to Facebook. What yeah, were you saying? Facebook has re-ba- rebranded themselves as meta. Oh, yes. And I, want, I thought we should talk about that because mm. escapism has been a theme of this. Meta. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on Mark Zuckerberg saying, I think the future is these places where you create your own skins for your characters. You create your own dwellings and do everything virtually. Because we have destroyed the supply chain and you cannot have it for real. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to look at him (laughs) talking about how all in on augmented reality 
uh, Mark Zuckerberg so is. bizarre. Yeah, well, my very favorite part of his description for this is saying, hey, if you're ever in an online space hanging out together and you don't want to be with anyone anymore, you can go to a private room and be by yourself. And I was saying, you're by yourself already. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just in, in and it's in your own, you know, you don't need a private space. You're alone in your room <laughs> with these glasses. Genius, yeah. genius. But that takes that takes a certain amount of, absolute boldness to sell that to people yeah i can sell you privacy in your weight <laughs> <laughs> or, or the ability to look like what you want i mean there, i mean there's certain parts of this to do what you want to be with whom you want at any time but not really because they don't have to join you <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> still suck and you're still gonna get left out because you're lame right my favorite thing about Mark Zuckerberg is the movie, The Social Network. Okay. So. Yeah. That, I mean, that made him seem more interesting than he appears to be in real life. Yeah. It's false for that reason. Jesse Eisenberg, who plays Zuckerberg, is a far more interesting character than Zuckerberg is. Zuckerberg yeah. is absolutely of the lizard people. There's no question. Walter Kern, Walter Kern <laughs> tweeted and said that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is the only human being whose avatar has more charisma than his real person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is correct. So the thing I like about The Social Network, the film, and if you haven't seen it, you should be willing to because most likely everybody on this, everybody listening probably is on Facebook. Yeah, 2 billion people out of our, what, 8 billion, 7.5 yeah. billion in the world are so, on Facebook. The thing that's brilliant about the social network, the film, is that Fincher composes it and presents it as a serial killer film. Oh, okay. So the tropes, the the structure and different, you know, different elements and ingredients from sound design to uh, uh tension early, you know, just ways he he plays with Zuckerberg's first kill. You know, it's like it's when it's still sloppy versus when he gets really good and and moves on uh, and kills the Western world. Uh, it is a serial killer film. Okay, his first kill being his first when he turns on turns against his friends. That his he had? first kill is when he viciously lashes out at a girlfriend, and like a serial killer, he hates women and he lashes out in a, like an involuntary celibate way, an incel way, and creates this like hotness ranking social platform. Yeah, the original Facebook. Yeah, it's like whatever it was, face smash or whatever. Yeah. But like a, a hotness score. So this super lame personality-less lizard man, you know, lashes out at women at Harvard. And the structure around that sequence and scene in the film is presented from, you know, the the really, you know, saturated darks and the the squeaking gears on a bike getting walked up to a dorm and every everything that he does in that scene he's telling you there's there's about to be a killing there's about there's about to be a murder mm. and then he has that and then he builds on that and you know moves from there and so while the whole thing is told through the lens of this lawsuit with the you know the the Winklevoss twins the lot of the the tropes and structures used are actually just insinuating the fact that Zuckerberg murdered human interaction and murdered society, like destroyed the Western world. 
and that's proving to be the case. Yeah. He's gone on to murder democracy. He's gone on to murder the free press because, I mean, the free press was always tough. Though It was never like, you know, all the way free, but it was untrammeled. It was unrestricted. Yeah. And what he did- You could print what you want and distribute what you want. Yeah. Everybody's on equal footing and you could have your newspaper. The Daily Worker could have their newspaper. Canon just- Posted a promotional video on Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, which got taken down immediately. Just because certain people. Why? Like, why? There's not even a reason for it. It's not even, it's not even a video that addresses anything they would disagree with. It's just done. Boom. Taken down. The free press. Although it's back up now, I should say. Good. Good. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lizard King. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the interview of him sweating? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Taking off, afraid to take his hoodie off. And yeah. that, was a, that was a little uh, refreshing, actually, to see him sweat. Basically, now if you used a social media platform to off old media, so newspapers were gone, mm-hmm. and then video platforms are gone as social media figured out streaming. So right. as video compression technology increased and bandwidth increased. Yeah, all of a sudden the videos aren't they moved, bad they, ones. Yeah, they moved on from taking out newspapers and magazines to taking out video. And that also, everybody was happy because it created the wild west of the free market of video. And so people like the Daily Wire could exist and you know all the apologia and cross-politic and right. whatever. But then, not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, as long once, as you say you, the things that yeah, the now that the community guidelines. Now that you've all eliminated any alternative platform, now you can turn the rules on. You know, once you've become that mon- monopoly platform, you've become functionally a public utility. Then you can turn these rules on, and you can now limit speech and the press. So the Bill of Rights, Zuckerberg has marched through killing human interaction, single handedly destroyed the millennial generation. I mean, we have to blame parents for that. <laughs> Ultimately, that's where the responsibility lies. But that is the, everything we're dealing with right now, where Gen X people like Dave Chappelle and Bill Maher are ranting. Bill Maher might be like a, I don't know how old he is, either really he, like on the old Gen X spectrum. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's old enough to be a, a real young boomer, but he might be. But the Gen X guys are raging now. Like you watch this lashing out rage from traditional liberals in the Gen X slice, and they're trying to be hard bitten and edgy the way they used to be and standing up against cancel culture. And not, nobody, no one from the millennial generation is standing with them. Yeah. And it's because they don't know how. It's because it doesn't, you can't. They're, they're totally wired differently. They've been wired differently. Because you're used to thinking in terms of, hey, if I support this person, I like or share this video. Yeah. And if the you threats can't- of unfollows and everything right. else, that's, that's what's happening. And so in this world that's been built, in this weird little fantasy world that Zuckerberg has built for everybody, he created a vacuum by destruction. Bezos did the same thing with physical bookstores. It's like it's business expansion by chemotherapy where it's like, you you attack destructively confident that you can outlast and outsurvive the opponent. If they die first, you then expand to fill the vacuum and you can change the rules once that's the case. So for anybody listening who um, 
might be a little more libertarian and thinks, well, Facebook's a private company and they can do what they want. They can do what they want and they should be able to limit the speech that I put in my videos that they host. Like, yeah, there's some, there's a valid point there, but AT&T is a, also a private company. So how would you, how would you feel if they put an algorithm in place in your phone such that if you start to express anything outside of orthodoxy, they drop the call? Yeah. I mean, private company, right? And then they consume all other phone providers. Yeah. So are you fine with Senate oversight of, of Facebook and the interaction of the, the congressional committee overseeing Facebook's yes and advertising? No. Yeah. Yes and no. So I think there's, there's ways in which it's stupid and, there, and there's ways in which in as much as the government is subsidizing Facebook and they are in as much as the government is protecting Facebook internationally and they do. The Defense Department and others are are working overseas, et cetera. To protect Facebook? Yeah. The interests of American corporations abroad. Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially an American corporation that happens to have two billion people's info. Yeah. No, they're they're very, very cozy. I mean, it seems like with this as soon as you allow the Senate committee in there, you just have functionally given that power to the government. <laughs> yes. So the thing is, if you are Basically, the question is, are you functioning like a public utility? A, that's one question. Next question is, are you illegally restricting the speech of your customers? So once you've handed over the service, this is, this is kind of like entertainment studios and things like that, where if I buy a DVD, I can copy it. It's mine. Right. I, can't, I can make copies. I can make backup copies. That's legal. They, they try to say I'm not allowed to. I'm allowed to. I can make a digital copy but it has to be for me. I can't distribute that. I can edit and filter that film for myself. It's mine. I own it. They sold it to me. So there's all sorts of new lobbying for But anyway, the, the weird fantasy world that Mark Zuckerberg is trying to present, all it does is make me want to cancel Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I mean, he but says- But instead, I posted pictures of my kids' basketball shoes this morning. <laughs> <laughs> they are some pretty cool shoes. They're sparkly. Yeah. I mean, the, big, the biggest thing- Mark Zuckerberg says he wants to create a deep feeling of presence mm. and all these things, again, well, I'm just quoting Walter Kern, but think Kern points out, we have all that stuff already, real people, real lives, real presence. And <laughs> Mark's promising, Hey, you can look like whatever you want. And then eat a ghost pepper and you'll have a, you'll have a deep feeling of presence. Yeah. I, I guess part of that question gets back to the idea of escapism and also just the dumbness of creating your own reality. Oh gosh, when yes. The, when, but why do you think it's so appealing to folks? Or do you think it will be? What's your bet on the meta? Prognosticate for us. Oh gosh, that's hard because there's what I really, really want to have happen. <laughs> it's hard for me to separate that from what might. I don't know. It's tough for me to prophesy right now because I feel so disassociated from everybody else in the world at the moment. I, maybe I need a deep feeling of presence. Maybe I need to get in there and really connect with everybody. But... <laughs> you know, on a deep and uh, avatarish level. But I cannot imagine this working. I really can't. But if I look back at the last 18 months, I can't imagine that working either. I cannot imagine us ending up where we are. I cannot imagine walking into Walmart and staring at the dairy cooler and being like, where's the milk? Mm. Where and Them telling me, oh, we're out. But this is America. We just had milk. Like literally the last president, we just had milk. How do we, how are we out of milk now? 
how how did it take no time at all for this to happen? I don't understand. I don't understand. My son is, you know, off at a institute of Babylonian learning and and uh with a religious exemption for the vaccine and he's you know, he's being constantly tested and has not popped. You know, he's not ever tested positive because he had it. Because he has the antibodies. He has friends who were vaxxed and they've now been quarantined because they've had it. I have family members who had the vaccine and had the booster shots and then had COVID real bad <laughs> uh-huh. after the vax, after the boosters. I never would have looked back and said, yep, this will happen. I never would have thought people would be saying, yes, please. Yes, please. Give us an experimental drug for our children immediately. Please, please. FDA approve it for five to 11 year olds with the blood thinner so that we can get back to normal. Really? Like, are we going to keep believing this? I don't know. So when I, when I look at what has been sold worldwide, what has been sold successfully, and there's no way I ever would have believed that possible. And I look at meta and think, no way, absolutely not. My track record recently is not great. So I have to just say, maybe we're this stupid. Yeah. Maybe we're this dumb. Maybe meta is this whole thing's been marketing for meta. Maybe this whole thing has just been getting everybody psychologically ready so that that seems good. So that a concert, a virtual concert seems way better and safer than a real concert. Look, look, say people, they don't have to wear masks. Your avatar. <laughs> you should have put glasses on your Finally, face. <laughs> we can be face to face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm so, I'm so past trying to predict the behavior of, uh, I mean, just Americans. I don't understand. Mm. So yeah, yeah, you made me read uh, "Amusing Ourselves to Death" back back in the day. Um, Postman's book, where he's emphasizing over and over that the medium is the message, or I think that's McLuhan, and he adapted it. Medium is the metaphor, and the medium for Facebook. I'm trying to figure out what that is. The medium is that you create the preset options that if you live the preset life, that you're living the best life possible. I don't know. They give, they give you the options for what you can do and then you do it and feel like you're being unique. That seems to be the Zuckerberg approach at least. So there's been, there have been things that have made me think, man, virtual reality would be rad. Like that would be rad if we could figure that out. This is not one of them. And the augmented reality thing. Yeah. Where you're walking along a street and you can see a piece of digital artwork. I mean, you're an NFT guy. So I sort feel, of. So I feel you you should be right on board with the ability <laughs> to go buy a crypto nuggy. Off, yeah, I'm all street I'm, corner. <laughs> yeah, yes, yep, but kind of an NFT guy. I'm on board with a few things here. I like the idea of being able to, like, for example, get in my avatar and go sit in courtside seats and watch an actual game not played by avatars. <laughs> right. But, you know, if I put on goggles and I'm sitting, in that one seat at half court and I'm watching the NBA finals. That sounds fun. You know, I I like the idea of being in Patrick Mahomes helmet and getting the sensation of what that's like at game speed. Yeah. I mean, there's things that seem like, yeah, that would be really interesting to get a little glimpse of what that's like Mm -hmm. hanging out with other cartoon characters. I I can do that now. I mean, right. We are cartoon characters. People are very, very cartoony all over the place. Yeah. So this just seems to be a cheaper way to be a furry. 
Like yeah. people are going to be just drag queens and furries and weirdos, but it won't be weird enough. It won't scratch that itch. Well, enough. that's what I was going to say. It seems like what's cool about virtual reality is getting to do things you wouldn't otherwise get to do, not doing the normal things that we already do. And that distinction right there. Yeah, but that's that's part of what I'm saying about the masks because the normal things have been off limits. So I could that's see true. I could see people getting sucked into this if they can prolong you know, the, the shutdowns long enough, but it's, it's super weird to me. I cannot imagine it. I also thought it was bizarre, uh, bizarrely underwhelming. Oh yeah. You know, to be like, okay, so we're in, we're in lizard King's house and we've got like a Roman suit of armor against the wall, a big TV on the wall, <laughs> a big TV. Like, oh, you're going to go in here to watch TV? Like, <laughs> and like a little pizza oven in the corner. Like I hope it's everybody. Thing. I hope everybody loves Raymond is on. <laughs> yeah. I can watch it with my cartoon character, me. And then there's like a really bad 19, mid-century, 1960s, whatever it is, fireplace. Yeah. With very unrealistic fire in it. And then there was barbecue sauce on a bookshelf. Yeah. It was like a bottle of barbecue sauce. Sweet Baby Ray's. And, and it's not even, like, that's his favorite. It's Sweet Baby Ray's. You know, the... <laughs> yeah. It's like, is that where it goes? <laughs> that's, that's like where the, I also thought it was hilarious that he could pick any clothes he wants in the world. And he picked his... I mean that was the, that was the joke, right? That's the joke. Is I am this boring. I'm really this boring. Yeah, I mean but, I have nothing against Sweet Baby Ray's. It's just, <laughs> I mean I'd want virtual virtual sauce. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is moronic. Yeah. It is moronic and gross. And I actually think that I actually think it'll be way more effective than I want it to be because I'm a pessimist right now. Well, it's going to be free too. Yeah, which tells you something. Yeah, you know who the, if what they're selling. If it's free, you're the product. Yep. If it's free, you're the one they're selling. Yep. And it's also going to be the kind of thing that it feels like if you don't have anything else to do, like a, a certain level of income is going to be. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I mean. Maybe. Let's go sit on a, a couch that's not there. What are you actually sitting on while you sit on the couch that's not there? You're still, gravity's still kicked in. Like you're still sweating you're still cold or hot or uncomfortable or hungry or have to go to the bathroom back in the real world or, <laughs> or do you i guess or that's the question i guess that's the question how effective is this meta <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay well can you distinguish from video games here i mean yeah, i guess yeah because that's where we want to go we had a lot of video games have kind of been prepping us for this i think and and the bad aspects of video games i should say okay um it feels like if you've already been been have learned to think of your life in terms of that character on the screen and what your next quest is and in, in improving the skin that or the decoration that you have yeah the armor this does seem like a bit of an extension it's just whatever that without a point without a boss level i mean we've had pointless games before but this is really pointless <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not even quite Sims. You'd be like, level. hey, Steve, you want to come over and have nachos that aren't real? <laughs> <laughs> I've got sweet baby rays. I got sweet baby rays we can't taste. <laughs> yeah, video games. We've I've been asked about video games a lot because of the storytelling nature of video games. Yeah, I keep getting that too. Hence and, bringing it up to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. And let me say this. For all of you who are against video games in like a knee-jerk way. They are probably the only reason why we have any intelligent males in this country at all right now. And given the complete paucity, 
of our school system system right now and it's the absolute hatred of boys and masculinity in in that school system i think video games have been the number one way that boys have learned critical thinking for a number of years now okay and there this is the reason why iq have the average iq among males has i believe gone up is that, is that uh steven johnson everything bad is good for you a book talking about IQs yeah but and I, even shows. even even since then okay even since he wrote that so i think video games have been a um really kind of a lifesaver but a stopgap. yeah kind of a life raft to kids yeah like sinking. not not uh this is not a good thing <laughs> there's not a good thing that this has been a, a lifesaver but there's a lot there are a lot of boys who know how to problem solve and how to try and try and try and try and not quit and struggle through oh, a problem okay. and do it again and do it over and keep trying to solve it because of, you know, Video Call of games. Duty and Assassin's Creed and, you know, that kind of stuff. I really do think that's the case. You know, even what, all the way down to little Lego games, you know, it's, uh, I think this is, that is the situation. However, I think everybody knows that it also has an atrophying effect on other aspects of your development. Yeah. So how you handle actual physical pain, physical suffering. At the same time, we've seen a, a significant drop in levels of testosterone. Yeah. Across the country. So testosterone levels are significantly lower. Things like grip strength. Like Yeah. I've like seen some crazy stats about yeah. it. Men are significantly weaker physically. So basically, if we had intact functional families and boys were out chopping wood and working with their dads and solving problems, building dog houses and fences and stuff, we'd be much better off. But we don't have that. And actually pair that kind of life with some gaming. And I think you'd have the best, you know, with actual reading and gaming and that kind of gaming in its proper place. And I think you have the best, the best variation of it, but, um, gaming that becomes like the number one hobby gaming that replaces physical, physical activity, physical suffering, it's physical experience yeah. at all. So if you want to get good at a sport, there is a degree of agony that you're going to have to go through mm -hmm. persistent agony that you're gonna have to overcome. And you're going to have to learn to disassociate your own decision-making and your mental ability to take action from how you feel physically. Yeah, you have to be able to say this is going to hurt and not let that affect. You're gonna, yeah, you have decision. to have that voice. This is going to hurt can float, but never quite register. <laughs> like, like it just goes away. And there are things that athletics and sports and hard work, physical labor can teach you to how to be a man that a game never could. But there are aspects of gaming that can teach you all sorts of great things about you know, critical thinking, persistence, and, and even just, just mental, the mental work, the mental persistence and mental drive that I think are beneficial. So we've always had, on principle, we've always had game consoles in our house, and we've always contained them such that they are for those times when homework is done, books are being read, you know, we're not concerned about that. Sports are being played. You know, like that's, yeah, sure. Go ahead yeah. and play, you know. Yeah, that seems like what, when you're watching out for escapism, that is the thing you're looking for. Are you replacing 
real life, replacing other goods. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg used some virtual goods. That's a phrase he's using. Mm, yes. Hey, are you replacing real Can life? We just call goods? them non goods. <laughs> yeah, non goods rather than virtual goods. Just when you're replacing real things with fake things, that's what escapism is. And it happens yeah. with reading and it can happen perhaps easily yeah. with video games because there's that competitive sort of aspect yep. with it. And so guys who, guys especially, girls too, but guys especially can get really sucked into that gaming culture because it's communal, it's competitive, uh, it can be intense and visceral, you know. Yeah, there's a way to demonstrate mastery. Yeah. And, and it's objective. So you can't, right. you can't, or appears to be, you can't get, you can't blame your teacher or the prejudice of school or your coach or anything like that. You either can or you can't. Right. It's, I've noticed, especially as my boys are getting older, just that obsession with fairness yeah. that little boys have. Yep. And it seems to be very different from girls. And they want to fight over, hey, was this fair? Because if it wasn't fair, then I don't want to get corrected on it. And that's something, of course, we discipline over. But, yeah. but they for sure feel like, hey, it's got to be fair. And a video game is fair in that way. Everyone starts out with the, it starts out with the same levels. <laughs> yep. And actually, you, you, that reveals itself pretty quickly when you have games like Ratchet and Clank or stuff like that where the, the kids have to be different characters. And you'll find them really quickly discussing whether it's fair that they are mm. not getting as many turns with the other character or that's the better controller or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or lagging. Yeah. Lagging was the yeah. big thing yeah. when we were in high school. Oh, the internet lagged. That's why yeah. you got And me. so you have lots of, they will find ways to plead fairness and inequality all the time. And then eventually we'll join BLM. But, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> you heard it here first. But uh, anyway, the point is like most things. If you try to make it a taboo and you try to say, no, you may not, Johnny, it's horrible for you, that is a really dangerous way to treat anything. What you want to do is teach your kids how to have self-discipline, self-control, learn how to control themselves and not to get obsessed and sucked into something that's problematic. That You want that to be the case with alcohol, video games, and right. fantasy novels. You don't who, want- yeah. Who do you want teaching your kid to drink? Yeah, you. You, the parents, should be the ones who- Introduce your kids to alcohol. You, the parents, should be the ones who talk about a biblical view of alcohol and where it should. What's and good should and not. bad. Yeah. What are proper limits? Yep, you know, that's, exactly. That's a parent's and job. Self control and how we do these things. So, same thing with video games. Same thing with escapist novels. Same thing with television. Yeah, you know the fact that there's a great movie in the world doesn't mean, and another great movie doesn't mean you should be binging. My parents had a great moment. I might have told this story before, but they had a great moment. With our first Nintendo console, where they thought in their wisdom that they would make us read to earn hours on the Nintendo. And they're like, okay, every hundred pages gets you an hour. And my sister and I were immediately loved Mario Brothers, immediately clocked <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of pages in that first week. And we got to Saturday, both like stretching our, our fingers and cracking our knuckles, like, okay, I'm ready for my 10 hours. <laughs> A thousand pages this yeah. week. We both we both logged. I think I had like eight hundred pages, and she had a thousand pages. And I was like, "I'm ready for eight hours of Mario Brothers." And your your mom and dad thought, "Strap me in, Dad." Yeah, <laughs> plug and, me into the metaverse. Here yeah, we go. Yep, and uh, they adapted the rules very quickly thereafter. So I think that was one week. I think that guideline worked for a week. But um, so I never tried that with my kids. It was always just discretionary. Yeah. I always just reserve the right to say no or yes. Yeah, we do it one day a week and then 
you know, yeah. occasionally elsewhere. If you're done with school or if you, you know, I mean, there's times when it's, you know, we'd have somebody who's super fried and it's just been long and hard and it's like, okay, you're going to, you're going to buckle in and do a, a ton of schoolwork after dinner. Got home from school. It's like, hey, you should go just go play Madden for an hour, you know, mm. and then come up for dinner. You know, it's like, and then because we know you've got four or five hours of homework coming. Right. So just go after a long day. Right. You know, like that's, it ends up being always in balance. So, but it's really, it's really easy to keep it trivial and stupid. It's really easy to keep it, to let kids get obsessed. It's really easy to, you know, get it out of whack. Video games can be great places for story. Overwhelmingly, they're not. Overwhelmingly, they're great places for frustration, mind puzzles. Yeah. Repetition and problem solving. Yeah, because I have so many people who say, hey, you know, you just haven't played the right video game with the storytelling. I'm saying, what do you want? Are you talking Zelda, you know, Breath of the Wild? Are we talking, like, show me one that has incredible. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the one that I like. Storytelling is not the strength of a video game. No, it's not because you're right. It's the strength is okay. World building can be that aspect of storytelling. Yep. Uh, what's the one with Drake's like descendant? Oh, what about that Uncharted. one? Uncharted. There you go. Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah. So like, I really, I like Uncharted. I like the setup of Uncharted. Like, okay, here's a descendant of Drake with an ancestral map. Like, okay. Yeah. That's but a fun setup. That's the that's world world building setup. Yeah, and my, then, and then yeah. sets like so you have sets and some characters, but you're on you are not telling the story. The story is not being told. Right. You are building. You're doing the stage design. You're building the stage. You're setting up the world and building some characters. But the the storytelling itself is the incarnation of the actual execution of the tale. Mm-hmm. That is not happening in the video game. Yeah, and my son, you know, he's younger than your kiddos, but playing Age of Empires campaigns. El Cid, he's very into these historical characters and I have to remind him, you know, hey, you know, these are fun and he wants to know real, what, did this really happen in real life? Did El Cid really die in this way? And those are the, I think those can be helpful, but yeah. I have no, I'm under no illusions that he's learning history from, <laughs> from Age of Empires besides just like a sprinkling of names here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've wandered far. We started in Tobermory in the Isle of Mole and we got all the way through Meta augmented reality and back to video games are not storytelling there you go that actually is something we can follow up on i will just i will camp on that video games are not storytelling they are the pieces of dramatic storytelling i mean like stage drama there's a lot of like components of stage drama set up around them but it's not the story told and they don't have there you're not watching a character grow no they try to but you're not yeah you really aren't because no, you're, you're sh- the character and you ultimately are on your seat, on your backside. <laughs> you're shooting zombies and hopefully you're getting better at it. But that's it. <laughs> right. Your critical thinking skills are helping, being helped, but your grip strength, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go chop some wood. There you go. This has been Stories of Soul Food L1. Please do check out Jerry Cinnamon. He's been sponsored by Jerry he's not. He's not just for me. <laughs> Sponsored by Jerry Cinnamon. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out our full catalog of kids' fiction at cannonballbooks.com. Just sometimes.